0: Good morning, brothers and sisters. Today's Bible's reading is from the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and sit him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only In the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way.
1: Thank you, Gloria. Um, keep your Bibles open in um, Ephesians chapter 1. Um, before I pray and preach, um, I just want to acknowledge um, uh, the presence of Jessie Wei, who is a Wycliffe uh, regional representative. So um, she's also here with us um, as uh, present from Wycliffe. So, and another friend is, should be here soon. She's just coming in from Thailand uh, she's been serving there for the last three years, and this will be her first day of furlough. Um, but she got stuck in customs, so we will see her at morning tea at least. We, Lord willing, do pray for that. Um, let me pray now. Heavenly Father, what a joy it is to be with your people, Father. We thank you for the work you are doing um, in this church through the lives of those who trust in the Lord Jesus, we pray that you continue to grow us and may this um, message, Lord, um, help and uh, give those uh, struggling um, i mean their prayer life, Lord, new energy and, and uh, restart their um, devotion to knowing Christ better. And we pray for those who are devoted to prayer that they will persevere and continue on doing it as a regular part of their lives because it is the work, Lord, that you've tasked us to do. Along with prayer, preaching, and proclaiming the gospel of the Lord Jesus, we want to be equipped, Father, to serve you here on this earth and reach out to those who are lost in their sin. We praise you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. So it was eight years ago or so, seven or eight years ago, when I was training as a student at Christ College. And I was part of this church where um, the elders took me in and they became my mentors in, in ministry. I had the privilege of sitting in among the session or the elders of the church as they articulated and put in writing the vision, the mission, and the core values of Burwood Presbyterian Church. And you have it on your website, um, the things that have been put down, so that we own the work of building God's kingdom here in this earth. God builds his kingdom, but he allows us to take part in that. And so it's great to know that we have a purpose in life, and our church has a purpose, especially in this place. God's kingdom is growing. His authority and power to rule as king will continue, whether we like it or not. And so it's better to be in the right, on the right side of history and the right side of God. After um, one of the core values, or the number one core value, is, of course, the gospel. Everything we do is about the gospel. And Paul spends the first... Um, Few verses of Ephesians just praising God for who He is and what He's done. So the gospel message is clear um, in the first 14 verses of Ephesians. And now it puts in a prayer for God's people. Good as they're doing it, they're loving people, they're loving God, they're putting their faith in God, they're showing it by loving people. They're still the primary reason for existence which is to know God better. A famous pastor 200 years ago said, prayer is the greater work. Prayer is the greatest, greater work. Prayer doesn't prepare us for great works. No, prayer is the greater work. It's not an add-on to all the other things we want to do for God. It is the work. Prayer is the work. So having prayer as one of the core values is exactly right. Prayer is everyone's business. That's why today, from the Bible, we will hear about the importance of prayer and our continuing purpose to grow in faith, or as Paul puts it, to know God better. We need to plant churches. We need to send missionaries out in different parts of the world so that the gospel will be proclaimed. And locally, in our relationships here, we need to grow. We need to strengthen our marriage. We need to raise our children in the gospel we need to grow our friendships. And whatever work you do, or maybe you're still in school or in university, you need to do it well. But all that happens as we grow in our knowledge of God. To know God better, we need to pray and need to know, number one, the power of prayer. Number two, the prayer for power. And finally, what it means to be a powerful Church. So those are our three headings, and we'll begin now with the power of prayer. So last month, the new James Webb Telescope captured this photo of a supernova. It captured in that little bit of a square in that picture. A supernova is just the last hurrah of a dying star. It was so bright coming in from 21 million light years away. And an amateur astronomer was actually the first one to see it. Um, James Webb then took a photo when it was reported. So the dying of a star is a powerful explosion, but it is violent and destructive. We want to think of a different kind of power. Not the destructive kind, but a creative one, even a redeeming and a saving one. So now let's think about the power of prayer. And reading from verse 15 of our passage, it says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And in verse 17, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Let's stop there for a moment. First notice, this is a, um, consistent prayer of Paul. This is not a one-off prayer. He says, I have not stopped praying, in verse 16. And it says, I keep asking God. That's in verse 17. So the question for us is, what is the power of prayer? Does the power of prayer mean that prayer in itself is powerful? That is by simply speaking um, words that we know, or perhaps saying even Bible prayers, you somehow have your own superpower? like Captain America having his super serum, or maybe like some people believe, mumbling chants or saying big words. That will somehow make your prayers more effective. Let me offer that the power of prayer is first the direction of our prayer. To whom do you pray to? All people pray, but some people pray to the sun or to the moon or to Mother Nature, Or some think there's an inner power in our inner selves. And when you find that, you become a powerful being. But for Christians, we pray to God the Father. God is the direction of our prayers. The true God, the glorious God, the very power that spoke the universe into existence. That's who we pray to. Brothers and sisters, that is the starting point of prayer. The power of prayer is God Himself. The power of prayer is the God to whom we belong. You can see that in verse 17. Paul says, I pray to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a relationship with God that makes our prayer powerful. Prayer in itself is useless, prayer in itself is powerless, prayer in itself has no inherent authority if the person praying doesn't know the power behind the prayer. Prayer begins with a relationship with God through the Lord Jesus. And what makes this power in us work? It's verse 17 again. God, he prayed that God gives you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. That's what Paul prays for, that God may give them the spirit. They already have the Spirit. We learned that in chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. But they still need the Spirit to continue to grow. Without the Holy Spirit, it is impossible to know God, and it's impossible to continue to grow in God. Three years ago, when I was pastoring a church at Mount Stewart in Tasmania, just after COVID lockdown, we had to share a building with another church um, from another denomination, And I had to get in touch with the pastor of that church. When I got him on the phone, his first question to me was, RJ, are you a Christian? Are you a Christian? And I I sort of already got too aware. And then I said, yes, I am a Christian. How do you know? He said, well, I believe that Jesus died for me and that he rose again for my new life. No, 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 no. Do you have the Holy Spirit, RJ? That's what I'm asking. Of course, I cannot know the Lord Jesus and love him and serve him if I don't have the Spirit. Okay, what gifts do you have? So he's pressing in. Do you speak in tongues, RJ? Uh, And then I tried to stop the conversation. I said, look, I know what you're getting at. I'm not going to debate with you. I just wanted to tell you about our service times for Sunday. Um, I'll see you later. That wasn't the last of my encounters with that pastor and... And it's, it's right for him to be concerned if I'm a Christian or not. And it's true some people believe that it is the spiritual gift, specifically of speaking in tongues, that proves you're a Christian. Or maybe some other spiritual gift that is very visible and perhaps showy. And Ephesians is very clear what makes a Christian a Christian. It is the work of the Spirit, and this is his work. The Spirit makes us alive in Jesus. And the Spirit matures us to be more like Jesus. The Spirit makes us alive in Jesus, that's in Ephesians 1:13, and also in chapter 2. So read that later, chapter 2 of Ephesians. And the Spirit matures us to be more like Jesus, which is our passage today. It's not very fancy, I know. But it works. The Spirit makes us alive in Jesus, and he matures us to be more like Jesus. And so to grow in faith, we need the Spirit, and from that, we get to know God better. We need to pray. We need to read the Bible. Everything we know about God is in the Bible. Everything he wants us to know about him is in the Bible. And so, yes, we need to spend time with him, and prayer is our access to him. We speak to God in prayer. He speaks to us in the Bible. I think that's, that needs to be clear. Paul prays for their growth in the knowledge of God, and that's our prayer for Burwood Church. Now, let, we have to be careful. Knowing God is not just head knowledge. It's not just knowing facts about God. It's not just having Bible verses for every question that you encounter. Instead, knowing God is an ever-increasing trust in what God says in the Bible as true. Knowing God is an ever-deepening nurture of our relationship with Jesus. Knowing God is an ever-increasing awareness of our affections, affections, right feelings about God. This could be joy, love, devotion, heart for service. These are ways that we know we are growing in the right direction. If all our knowledge of God is up here, then our knowledge of God is but a mile wide and an inch deep. So first we acknowledge the power of prayer, God himself, and the spirit who lives in us to help us know God better. But how does he do it? How does he grow us? Let's look at our second heading now. The prayer for power. Verse 18. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. That phrase, the eyes of your heart, in 1999, the giant fashion brand Comme des Garcons, pardon my French, used... As its t-shirt logo, this um, symbol, it's just a picture of a heart with two eyes. Now, the problem was, no one really knew what it was all about. What, was, what were they saying? So, is this a loving eye? Have a look at it. Is it a knowing heart? Is it about passion? Is it about, about vision for a kinder society? What is it? Well, it might surprise us the term eyes of the heart was created by the Apostle Paul himself. He should have trademarked it and then received royalties, and then we'll be one of the richest churches ever. Contrary to the French label, Paul was clear at what happens at the heart level God's light must come into our hearts, then we see his truths. So we don't need cataract surgery. No, we were blind. We needed new eyes. We, we didn't need a heart surgery. We were dead. We needed new hearts from hearts of stone. God must replace it with a heart of flesh. That's the only way to see God's truth. God's light must come in. And we don't just see words in a page or we don't just hear sound, sounds as it's spoken by the preacher or someone who proclaims the, the, the message to us. No, we see and hear what's really there. We understand what God wants us to understand from the Bible. We see the glory of God in the Bible. We see he is our creator. We see he is all-loving, all-knowing, and he is for you and loves you and values you. These are the things we see when Christ has come into our lives. And Paul specifically um, puts highlights for us the three things that we should be praying for. Now, it doesn't mean we don't pray for the other things that the Bible says. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul will say, pray for anything and everything. Of course, meaning pray for what accords with God's will in the Bible. But he here, he simply highlights three important things that if we are to grow, we need to be aware of. Praying for the sick is necessary. Praying for strength in our marriages is a must. Praying for comfort and peace in the lives of our people. Needed. But Paul wants us to look at something even more important. When we know the will of God, all the challenges that come into our lives will find its proper um, understanding. And so Paul prays for these three things. I just... um, Summarize it this way, because the original Greek Bible has a beautiful triad in the way it presented God's, Paul's prayer here. So again, we begin with God, the power of prayer. And to know him better, we pray for power. And these are the three things that we want specifically to know. The hope of his calling... The riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and the incomparable might of his power, or the riches of in, sorry, the hope of his calling, the riches of his inheritance and the greatness of his power. Do you see the repetition there? His, his, his? It's all his. Our first desire when we come to God in prayer is God himself. Let that be a reminder for us, not just to ask things from God, but to want him above all gifts. So let's look at them one by one. There's just going to be short um, um, explanation of this. Number one, the hope of his calling. In the phrase, hope of his calling, the main idea is calling. If we know God's calling, then we will have great hope. But what is calling? If you have a smartphone and someone rings you, you answer Why? Because there is a caller. A caller. Someone calls you, you answer back. In the Christian life, the caller is God. The Christian is the person who said yes to God's call. Now, how did God call us? Well, he um, proclaimed the gospel invitation to us, didn't he? He said, come to my son, Jesus. He is your only way to live in this earth. Turn away from sin. Repent and believe in my son jesus and you will be saved when we say yes to that then by grace alone we discover that god has granted us faith in him we are made alive in jesus through faith and in this same calling he tells you who you are before him and he tells you who you belong and where will you be in the future an eternity with god Forever. You belong to him now, and you will belong with him even after death, earthly death. That's why we have hope. Not a wishy-washy worldly hope, no, but a true confidence in what God says in the Bible. What do people put their hope on in this age? It could be the idol of self. It could be binge-watching. It could be money, it could be sex, it could be health, you name it. In Ephesus 2,000 years ago, the city was proud of their fertility goddess called Artemis or Diana. Their economy was growing because of the idols or the little statues that they make, and people can buy it, and people can participate in the um, pagan uh, parties that they have during that time. That's who the Ephesians were before Jesus came into their lives. And Paul was reminding them, you have a greater hope than the earthly pleasures that are available for you. So we need to see that too today, that our hope is in God. And he has called us to so many great things because we belong to him. Now, second, if we are to know God better, we need to know the riches of his inheritance. Now, just a few verses up, in verse 13, it said, When you believe, you were marked with him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. Do you see that? Our inheritance. That means our salvation is sure. God will make sure we end up with him in the end. But here in verse 19, it says his inheritance. You see the difference? We are God's inheritance. And this is not new. In fact, in Deuteronomy 9.29, it says, Moses prayed to God, but you, God, these are your people, your inheritance. This is amazing because God treats, treats us as his treasure. God values us to a great extent that he covers us in his love and care and protection. When we think of the, the, the fact that who we are and all the sin we are capable of, isn't it a wonder that God would value us so much? And he can because we belong to Jesus. Do you know this? Do you know you are God's inheritance? You will be with Him forever. And third, if we are to know God better, we need to know the greatness of His power. And now Paul sort of um, goes all out when he remembers the power that God has displayed in this world. And and that's our third heading: the powerful church. Look at verse nineteen. That power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. God's power was displayed magnificently when he raised Jesus from the dead. Did you know that there are over 100 billion bodies buried in the earth? Over 100 billion the news company, BBC, warns us the world is running out of burial space. But did you know that in Phoenix, Arizona, and there's one as well in south of New South Wales in Holbrook, there's a, what they call a cryonics facility. It's a facility that can freeze your body or your brain and maintain it at 200 degrees below zero to preserve it. Why would people do that? Well, the hope is that in the near future, these bodies can be revived, made alive again, when technology um, advances enough. Do you see the hope there? So hundreds of people have used this, thousands perhaps. It costs $70,000 for each body or brain. We, We understand why people would like this option, don't we? If it's even remotely possible that I remain alive forever. That I keep, you know, when my body deteriorates, I can just transfer my brain to a new body. However that works. I'd take it, wouldn't you? And So it's big business to have the power to raise people from the dead. But Christians already have this technology. It's called God. So why are we still hoping for earthly uh, pleasures and earthly um, advancement of technology to get us through? Put your faith in Jesus. It's our only hope for eternal life. God's incomparably great power, the very power that spoke the universe into being, is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And a time will come, the Bible says, that all these hundred billions of bodies and counting will all be raised from the dead. And everyone will face the judgment of the Lord Jesus. And those who have put their faith in him will be welcomed into eternal life. And those who do not and continue to rebel will face eternal punishment in hell. And that's a sad reality. What's even sadder is for a church who is not aware that the power of God is in his church even now. This power, make no mistake, is available to the church now. That's what verses 19 and 21 says. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power he he holds to rule his church even today. We have this power and God's want us to use it, on His behalf. Verse twenty-two, it says. Sorry about that. I'll just read verse twenty-two. And God placed all things under His feet and appointed Him to be head over everything for the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills everything in every way. And so, as we close um, in this reflection we read in verse 19 we are commanded to pray even to know this power because the church the body of Jesus will be the ones filling up everything and in every way what does this mean this means that the church the church is the Or the hands and feet of Jesus. We are the mouthpieces of Jesus. To proclaim good news. To this world. We are the ones who will do this filling up. Of every square inch of planet earth. That Jesus Christ calls mine. And I rule it. And so we have a big task ahead of us. But we have a powerful God. Who leads us. That's what Jesus does. So everywhere we go as Christians, in schools, in businesses, in sports, in politics, in the arts, in the hospitals, in the universities, in the media, whether it's TV, radio, internet, or social media, or print, it's dying, but let's put it in there, we declare and show that Jesus is Lord. That is our purpose we declare with our words and our actions, Jesus is Lord over everything. First, we know him, and then we show him. That's why we are a powerful church. The power of God lives in us. So we continue to pray and rely on the Holy Spirit to do this work in us. The work must begin In us, the growing of God's kingdom begins in the growing of God's people. As Jesus leads his body, the church, no one can resist its coming. It's unstoppable. So prayer is the greater work. Let's find time each day. Don't make it like, um, I'll just see if I have time to pray later. No, set aside the time. Make sure it's part of your daily routine that you spend time with God. Whether it's in the morning, midday, in the evening, make sure that's set. Because that's how God will mature us by his spirit. And the effect will be we become the powerful praying and preaching and loving church that we ought to be for him. Let us pray. Make this happen, Lord. Make this happen. We thank you that um, for the many years, Lord, of knowing Burwood Presbyterian Church is a prayerful church. We have seen so many answered prayers, Lord, because the power behind every prayer found it to be merciful and gracious to His church in Burwood. But Lord, there's still work to do as you've placed us in this place at this time. We want to continue to grow in our knowledge of God and reach out to those who don't have a clue who Jesus is. Yes, Lord, use us as your hands and feet in this world and your mouthpieces as well to proclaim the good news that Christ is, is risen from the dead and he invites everyone to come to him and know their true purpose in life. To give him glory, to honor him in all that they do and we the church Lord, even here in Burwood, may we be the first to proclaim Jesus and show his love in our neighborhood. In Jesus name. Amen.